GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello and thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. An independent climate change committee led by Angelique Linares believes Gibraltar could be repositioned as a green economy, but they say that better data is needed to monitor our progress. Disability equipment at Camp Bay has been a talking point. Saviak Bear told us an outing to the beach on Saturday had to be cut short as his son, who has special needs, was unable to use the water wheelchair. An anthology of Gibraltarian writing has been released by Paduka Press. We heard from one of the contributors, Gabriel Moreno. And Tom Reed told us about the Gibraltar Sevens rugby tournament returning to the Europa Sports Park. But first, Gibraltar's flights on Tuesday operated to schedule after a long weekend of chaos, as our duty editor Jonathan Sacramento explained. There was a storm over London, and what happens when... There's a storm is that uh, the airlines have to make a decision as to when those planes can leave. And sometimes that pushes uh, certain members of staff, pilots, air traffic control crew, uh, cabin crew, it pushes them over a certain hour limit. They're only allowed to work a, a, a certain number of hours in a row by law, by law to ensure that fatigue doesn't result in an accident ultimately. Exactly. So what happens is that when that threshold is pushed over, so, so some, some of the flights were delayed on Sunday, some were cancelled altogether because it pushed those members of staff over the limit. That's the explanation. Of course, it will come as no consolation to those whose plans were thrown into turmoil and chaos because they just weren't able to reschedule. I mean, the, the following day's flights were fully booked. Uh, they, they, some of them uh, were waiting to hear from BA and EasyJet and they got very little information, some couldn't get through, and you have to take a risk at that point and say, well, you know, I need to get to where I need. I, I, There was one customer, for example, who was, who was taking a cruise, <laughs> uh, and, and he didn't want to miss that, so yeah. he, he uh, spent up to £1,000 getting a taxi up to Malaga and then getting another flight from Malaga. £1,000? Well, you know how expensive last-minute flights can be. Uh, he said that he was a grand out of pocket, but obviously you don't. Want, once you when you got a cruise booked, you don't want to miss it. You spent uh, a lot more money, no? You spend exactly. Yeah. Patricia uh, spoke to us uh, about the arrangements that her son had to make in order to get to back to the UK in time for work. The plane was first delayed, then it landed, then it was on the tarmac, and they weren't getting any news. I think the frustrating bit for us was uh, not getting any comms from the actual airline. That was, for us, really, really key, as my son had to be there on Sunday evening um, because he had work commitments on Monday. And we took the decision uh, to ask him to leave and to repurchase a ticket in Malaga. And uh, we are frequent flyers. And we're seeing this happening uh, more often than not. Also, it's the incurred expense. So I had to repurchase the ticket. Um, and it was extortionate, <laughs> to say the least. And then um, getting my son a taxi to make sure, because the, the trains weren't uh, running and making sure that he got there on time. 
which Patricia tells us he did. Uh, Patricia staying up all night to make sure that her son was able to get to the UK and get to work on time. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. We're going to hear now from Angelique Linares and Dr Darren Fa. Uh, they are part of an independent climate change committee who believe that Gibraltar could be repositioned as a green economy if the right investments are made. The committee has been in place for a year and it's chaired by Angelique Linares, who's the managing partner for EY in Gibraltar. So she brings her numeracy skills to this task and here's what they had to say. So the government has set targets um, and is responsible for monitoring those targets. But in addition to that, obviously, they run the public sector, um, which obviously has a big carbon footprint as well. And they're responsible for implementing plans to to ensure that that the uh, public sector itself um, is able to to conform to the targets as well. So it it has a dual role. The the committee's role is is to an extent an independent arbiter. it's uh, the government has set it up precisely to oversee and feedback into uh, its proposals and essentially is asking us are these things realistic are they feasible how on track are we what do we need to do uh, the initial the initial proposal is very ambitious um, and we recognize that we'll, so we are seeking and hopefully over time we will have more data to be able to better model and and make predictions based on that but we feel that there's a lot of positives there and and real opportunities to make to make that change we're trying to make sure that we that the numbers that are that are being reported make sense and that we're moving in the right in the right direction so it is both an accounting and an audit um, um, job effectively that's been done <laughs> I would say it's diff- it's be proving difficult everywhere the climate change crisis is is so big that is, I think it's difficult for, for everyone, ourselves included, to, to really get our head around the, the potential impacts. I think the world is starting to see the impacts and pot- possibly because of that people are, are more likely to start to get on board. Um, but it's about changing the mindset, it's about changing the way we do things so that when it comes, because it is coming and these changes are happening even if we can mo- moderate their impact, we will be better prepared to tackle them rather than catching us by surprise. I think right now we're not seeing a response from the business community to climate change as such. I mean, there is a lot of talk um, about um, ESG um, disclosures, but there is no requirement in Gibraltar at present to provide those disclosures. Um, I think it's important that the government considers implementing that because once you require people um, by law to report how they are progressing um, in respect to um, making their businesses or progressing toward net zero, you know, people will will start putting those plans in place. Um, And so we recommend, as one of the recommendations we have, is that the government do consider introducing these ESG disclosures to Gibraltar. But it's not not all negative. I think as a a community, um, as as a finance centre, we can reposition Gibraltar as a, as a green economy and that will attract um, um, investment into Gibraltar because we're seeing it in, 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 other, in other jurisdictions. So I think we need to look at this from, a, from the positive perspective and think of it. if we invest in this, we will reap the rewards as well. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Father of a teenage son, Saviak Bear, a teenage son with special needs. Saviak has told us what it means to him and his family. 
What's most important is that if the beach is available for all beach users, it should be available for all beach users, irrespective of your ability or disability. That is the whole point here. And last year the same thing happened. So it's an, an it's an, a reoccurrence thing, no? Saviak Bear, who is um, father to a teenage son with reduced mobility and uh, whose beach experience at the long weekend uh, was let down by the lack of maintenance uh, of this equipment. I think it was first incorrectly stored, difficult to get to, and then the wheelchair had uh, a flat tyre and, um, and his son wasn't able to enjoy the beach in, in the way that he wanted to. Uh, Melissa says, why does it have to come to this? Uh, people who have reduced mobility have the exact same rights to use facilities like the beaches. It shouldn't come to this. Sharon says, even though the Eastern, Eastern Beach disability equipment is out, wheelchair users have still not got access to the equipment as the ramp is still closed off. So Sharon suggesting that it's not just at Camp Bay that there have been some issues uh, this long weekend. Thank you, Sharon, for joining that conversation. And Gerald thinks that this should have been taken care of before the bathing season started, not once it's up and running. Thank you to all of you uh, for joining that conversation and to Saviak Bear for bringing us into the picture. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Patuka Press was an enterprise that we have um, started to design with Mark Sanchez, the novelist, Giordano Durante, the poet, and Jonathan Teuma, the spoken word artist. Uh, at the end of 2022, we came together in a couple of meetings and uh, decided we wanted to find a voice for Gibraltarian literature, a voice that uh, could also... Um, it could also reflect the different languages, no Spanish, English, Janito, and also the different types of voices, literary voices from from um, poets to um, to writers to journalists to all kinds of people from the Gibraltarian community. No, beautiful, and and you have done that. You brought together Jackie Villa, Barbara Durante, Nicholas Montegrifo, Melissa Bosano, uh, Liam Ballester. Uh, Stefano Blanca Chacaluga, Dale Buttigy, Terence Moss, Lea Pau, Rebecca Calderon, Humbert Hernandez, Christian Fascio, uh, Giuletta Durante, Jackie Anderson, and as you said, Mark Sanchez, and also Joe Adamberry, some very recognisable names, um, and they've written about what? Misery, risk, and, <laughs> and, and the, the utter frustration uh, of, of having a, a job which is so bad you'd call it uh, something like a, a hit job. Exactly. <laughs> a non-pleasant uh, kind of profession, let's say. A, a poo to, job. an understatement, exactly. Lo que pasa, we wanted to, to bring out some raw writing, writing about things that sometimes are hidden no? in the public life, things which don't speak about because they don't seem politically correct or the kind of um, themes that are used in literature. No? Usually we talk a lot about our history, about military campaigns, about generals, but we wanted to talk about the life of Gibraltarian no? and the experience of growing up and uh, being an adult in Gibraltar. And that is the kind of writing we are looking for in Patuka Press. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. And it's a pleasure to welcome Gibraltar Rugby Development Officer, 
Tom Reed. Um, Tom, uh, welcome to Broadcasting House again. Tell us about um, the the Sevens tournament. What's um, what's the the basic? So, I mean, there, there are fewer players and it's quicker. Yeah, it's a, it's a really exciting form of rugby. Really, it's a uh, much quicker, um, fast game. Seven players on the pitch, and we normally have fifteen. It's the same size pitch. Um, generally the same rules so it's a much more fast pace people are trying to make a uh, gap through running through to try and get the score obviously as many tries as possible as you usually do and it's great to see so many scores high octane high action it's great fun for all the family we've got four competitions across men's open men's elite women's uh, and the veterans as well so we can get as many games on as possible lots of different teams playing from from all over europe um, all coming into Europe, into Europa, into Gibraltar. Friday night we've got a a beer festival. Uh, on Saturday we've got a a party um, and some drinks going on as well with uh, a Hawaiian theme. So lots of Hawaiian shirts going on there. And then on Sunday we've got our family fun day as well. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from one to two getting behind the headlines and you can catch up here whenever you like until next time have a good one gbc podcasts local voices on demand